Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. So today our topic is the treasure of a community in a treasured marriage. And we have to start out honestly by talking about the topic. You all saw the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well, we're going to enter this topic with Honey, Someone Sunk the Treasure. Over the past two decades, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown from 8% in 1998 to 21% over the past three years. Church membership is strongly correlated with age. 66% of traditionalists, adults born before 46, belong to a church compared to 58% of baby boomers, 50% Gen X, and 36% of millennials. The decline in church membership appears largely tied to population change with those in older generations who are more likely to be church members compared with the replacement of the U.S. population with people in younger generations less likely to belong. The subgroups that decline the most from 98 to 2020 are women, non-Hispanic black adults, those who didn't graduate college, the unmarried, Democrats, liberals, and Catholics. Church attendance among Christians has slid down three times a month, regular attendance, to only two times a month for those people who identify as Bible-believing Christians. So the question, obviously, is this. Why are even those who are committed Christians attending less often? What are the reasons that you hear? Maybe you have friends and relatives who have fallen into that practice. What are the reasons? Nice and loud because, unfortunately, I forgot my hearing aids today. Yes, Kathy. Uh, sports, and other events on Sunday. sports and other events on Sunday morning. What else? What other reasons do people give for not attending and being engaged in church fellowship regularly as individuals, families, or couples? Work. Work. Work has bled over into Sunday and other times of worship. COVID. COVID. Yeah. There are a bunch of reasons. Greater affluence. Greater affluence means that people are spending more time and money on toys and distractions. Higher focus on kids' activities, like Kathy mentioned. Travel teams, that sort of thing. More travel itself. People have more disposable income, and so they're going to be able to spend it on that. Blended and single... Uh, single parent families, which divides the time up. Online options, people going online and not coming back to in-person church. You also find the cultural disappearance of guilt. Now, honestly, guilt is a poor motivator for going to church. You'd rather have devotion to Christ, love of God's people. But in the past, there was a guilt. Hey, did you go to church on Sunday? No. What What did you do? Uh, well, I, I slept in, you know. And that was a a little bit of guilt that would drive some people. There's also self-directed spirituality. People are making their own highways to heaven. And there's also a failure to see a direct benefit. Well, you know, I, I went and I didn't get much out of it. Well, did you eat supper last Thursday? Did you get much benefit out of that? You know, uh, a failure to really see engagement and valuing attendance over engagement. Well, I went to church. I came in just as the... Uh, 
the music was ending and I left as soon as, you know, the preacher ended and said amen. I was out, the, out of the seat and out of the door. And also a massive cultural shift. So 10 top reasons why people have stopped attending on a regular basis. Experts believe that these trends are not related to the pandemic, but that the pandemic shed a brighter light on the decline. According to data collected in April and May of 2020, the Barna Group said one in three practicing Christians dropped out of church completely during COVID-19. As a matter of fact, that continued 2020, 2021, 2022, so that some churches have seen 33% and more of their previous attenders not coming back. In June of 2021, the Associated Press broke a story about how many houses of worship in the U.S. were shuttered forever due to the pandemic. When we were interviewing for the five new missionaries that we took on, one of the questions that I asked the people when I did a reference check was, how are you doing? How's your church doing? How did the racial unrest and the pandemic affect your church? And to, a, to each and every one, I found that they had been affected by the pandemic and by the racial issues of 2020. Declining church attendance is only a symptom of a deeper problem. The problem is that our family units, with all of their weekend activities and accomplishments and commitments, are increasingly being prioritized over gathering with God's people. Dave Harvey, in his book, I Still Do, and I believe this is on your handout, said this, the rise of internet preaching... The growth of self-directed spirituality, lower bars for membership and commitment and non-relational church cultures must be cited. But there's a specific reason I'm highlighting this new Christian tendency to elevate family over the church. Meaningful involvement in a gospel preaching church links directly to having a durable marriage. The Western church loves private, personal stuff. We have personal Bible study, personal evangelism, and personal prayer. None of this is wrong. In fact, some of it, most of it is quite helpful. But our personal relationship with Christ is only a slice of the Christian experience. A similar subtle temptation for Christians is the idea that quality time with our families must be protected at all costs. Parents often find their identity wrapped up in their kids' success, cultivating their children's extracurriculars, sports, academics, and hobbies, and that takes precedence over loving the church. John Piper rightly observed this. There is a great gulf between a Christianity that wrestles with whether to worship at the cost of imprisonment and death compared to the Christianity that wrestles with whether the kids should play soccer on Sunday morning. The Bible speaks against both our individualism and our family-first mentality. In fact, a key truth echoes down the corridors of both Testaments. Our individual destiny is inseparably bound with our identity as God's people. I'm going to repeat that. Our individual destiny is inseparably bound in our identity as part of God's people. The whole idea of family and the way we experience it is only temporary. This is, there is a day coming when the concept of family is swept away to a more glorious truth. Matthew twenty-two thirty, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Christ tells us that something better awaits. One glorious marriage, our glorious marriage, with Christ and his bride, which will satisfy, complete, and fulfill every desire we've ever had for marriage on earth, even with your beloved there, 
it's not a stretch to think that you'll experience more joy in the presence of Christ. Matthew 10, 37, also, the one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You're familiar with the passage. Our love for Christ and our Father must take precedence. Mark 7 and verse 10, Moses said, honor your father and mother. And so there needs to be the reality that we're going to obey God and honor those relationships, but not at the cost of commitment to Christ. What's true of marriage is true of family. Earthly families will be swept away into a greater reality. The body of Christ, if our children stand beside us in eternity, it will not be so much as our children, but as our blood-redeemed brothers and sisters. There are three important factors to remember. One, for your marriage to last, you can't walk alone. Number two, for your marriage to last, you and I cannot idolize anything or anyone. Our worship has to be rightly centered. And number three, for our marriage to last, we must prioritize Christ and his people. That is the treasure of Christian community, the treasure of Christian community. It's just, just read through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, if you want to call it that. It illustrates the beauty of believers living life together. Fellow Jesus lovers walking through the daily grind, hand in hand as they learn, love, and live the gospel. So, question to you. And again, please remember, I apologize, I forgot my hearing aids at home, so you'll have to speak up. How are Christians blessed and benefited by being part of a local fellowship? As individuals, as couples, as family, how are they blessed? How are they benefited? This is your time to not hear me speak. Accountability, Accountability. good. What else? Yeah, the support, the love, the encouragement, the bearing of burdens. Good. What else? Excellent, excellent. Cody said that being with other people balances out. We are, we are like pendulums sometimes. Good. A lot of benefits to being with and associating with and being engaged as individuals, as couples, as families with the church of the living God and treasuring that community. The first one is the preaching of the word. If the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, then hearing the preaching of the scripture is vital to our spiritual well-being. Watching preachers on TV may be listening to good preaching if the listener is discerning, but without living in close fellowship with real people, one can never experience the help and hope Christ offers his bride through faithful involvement in a local church. It is through the preaching of sound doctrine that the word of God penetrates our hearts and transforms lives. It calls sinners to repentance. It also encourages the downtrodden. It inspires the Lord's servants to love and serve God. And good preaching as part of being engaged as Christian disciples in local fellowship lights the way God would have us go. Now, without, with facing certain death, the Apostle Paul 
told his young charge, Timothy, the instruction found in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the word, be urgent, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine and patience. Now, we have to add a caveat here, don't we? Because there are some people who are infirmed or through other providences are not able to physically attend. This is not a legalistic requirement by which we garner merits before God. And those people who are unable to attend, we should, by God's grace, help them, encourage them, visit them, write cards, call them. So I just wanted to give a little balancing word there. There's participation in corporate worship. Worshiping God alone is wonderful, but nothing can replace the beauty of coming together corporately to worship Him. In order to truly worship God in the way He demands, it requires some soul-searching, being under the preaching of the Word. It's not just entertainment. We need to realize that worshiping God comes as a response to our humble gratitude for His love for us. Knowing God and His character as revealed in Scripture will stir in we, His children, the disciples of Christ, a heart of thankfulness expressed in worship that brings him glory, rather than a self-serving emotional experience. The Spirit causes true worshipers to long to come together with other believers to honor Christ. If God's Spirit does not stir in us that desire, there may be something wrong, and we may need to truly examine our hearts. Number three, as individuals, as couples, as family. Christian disciples have the opportunity to exercise their gifts. From preaching to encouragement, hospitality to administration, God equips each and every one of you in such a way that you have a contribution to the body of Christ. Without a nose, I would probably smell as bad as I still smell. That's, that's a dad joke. But it illustrates Paul's concern in the book of Corinthians, doesn't it? That we are all important parts of the body of Christ. When a church body is healthy, its members realize that they are part of the congregation not only to receive, but also to be a blessing. Statistics show, and you've heard the Pareto principle, generally in a church, 20% of people do 80% of the work. Now, this is not to guilt anybody in getting involved in local fellowship, but to inspire us. Imagine God has supernaturally gifted you and I for the purpose of glorifying himself so that as we together serve Christ, he is amplified. He is given praise. Those who are working hard have someone else to come alongside and not do all the work. Many see work happening in the church and they think, oh, well, they don't really need me. What? That's not true. And at the end of today's service, you are going to be needed because we are moving all of these chairs out of here. So all of you who do not have a back problem are welcome to come help. The harvest is truly great, but the workers are few. You and I see that verse primarily as missionaries and evangelists, but it also is affected by how the local church works and how you and I are part of the contribution to the right working of the body. There are opportunities to serve as a couple, 
not just as individual contributors. The Apostle Paul often wrote of and to those who partnered with him in sharing the gospel. Church offers couples the opportunity to partner together in sharing the gospel through serving others. Lots of opportunities, and at the end of this session, we're going to have a couple at Faith Bible Church actually answer some interviews on this very issue. Number four, encouragement of those who labor. And I guess we have to ask, who are the people who have blessed you as you participate in the local fellowship? Who are the other members of the body of Christ that have been a blessing to you, to your family, to your little ones if you have them? I just love these awkward silences. Love them. Love them. The, te- the teachers in the room were smiling. Yes, Kathy. Well, I know for our son, why do you want to be married? So, you know, he's going to be married. The youth ministers and YDM? Good. You know, it's very sad that none of you have benefited from uh, other people being a part of the fellowship. The elders are going to have to work on that. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Yes? Small group leaders over time? Okay. Well, the people who take care of the little ones, the people who clean up after events, the people who are going to be moving chairs. Did I just drop another hint? The heart of the Apostle Paul comes through when he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making all prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In the same way, when we become a partner in ministry with those who labor in our fellowship with joy and love, our our even being there, you know, one of, the, one of the great things is whenever you're in a small group, and a small group starts out with 40 enthusiastic people, and everybody's there, and it's just lots of excitement and joy, and then it, over time, it just kind of dwindles down, and when that happens to me, I'm thinking, I'm driving people away. <laughs> but isn't that the regular? That's why your attendance is so important. Just physically being there can be a blessing to other people. You know, Hebrews 13, 7, the leaders that God has placed over us. You know, they watch over us as those who give an account. You know, and so joining the church and being an engaged part of the fellowship helps pastors and elders be more faithful shepherds. You know, some confessions and some books of order talk about how the obligation of the elders at each meeting is to go through the list on the directory and say, okay, is there anybody here that has a spiritual need? Are we seeing someone? You know, we've been talking about in our meeting next Sunday, we have members and friends, so some people are members and some people are just affiliated with fellowship. And so part of it is, okay, let's, what are we going to do here? We have people who are members, but they don't attend this small group, that small group. We have people who are just, you know, come in every now and then. How are we shepherding them? Maybe we should assign everybody, whether they're in a small group. So, you know, 
It helps us be more faithful shepherds. And then there are those godly mentors that are among us. Godly mentors that are among us. The benefit that we have as individuals, as couples, as engaged disciples of Christ. And the church will discover many people who walk the road ahead of us. Their wisdom, insights, and even vulnerability to teach us from the mistakes and from God's word is how God provides for us to grow. You know, there's been a questionnaire that went out to all the men asking, hey, are you being discipled right now? Would you like to be discipled? And it's a question that you need to ask. Is there someone coming alongside? Paul had a Barnabas encouraging him, helping him. Paul had Timothy. Timothy entrusted to others. There is that relationship. Your children. Your children learn to love the church. Sometimes parents drop off their students asking, you know, the, the church teachers and group leaders to, to fix them. But if we want to teach our children to love God, they need to see that we love God. And if we want them to learn to love God's people, we, they have to observe us loving God's people. And part of that may be shielding them in the tender ages from some of the trials and some of the controversies that arrive within every local fellowship. And to that end, number seven, the benefit, the tre- part of the treasure of being part of treasured, Christ's treasured church is standing together as a light to our community. Membership, full engagement, the meshing of the wheels in a gearbox is one way to raise the flag of faith in a public way. Where do you go to church? Well, I'm a member at Faith Bible, or I'm a member at, you know, Disciples of the Word, or whatever, whatever fellowship it is. It's a way of publicly pointing to Christ and His work establishing a people. We state before God and others that we are part of that or this local body of believers. It's easy to talk in glowing terms about the invisible church, the body of believers near and far, living and dead, but it's the visible church that God expects us to live out our faith. Part of that, especially for couples, is shared experiences. As a couple, a huge part of married life is shared experiences. Sometimes I think that we wouldn't be all clamoring for community if we actually experienced it. And there are some people who wrestle with that. They say, well, you know, I'm looking for more flourishing. I'm looking for more community. And yet, they're not putting the transmission in gear. They're not becoming engaged. You know, we, we've all, um, unfortunately, we, we may have all seen people who became part of a church fellowship. They started attending. And then they started drifting away. And you may have had a conversation that, like this. Hey, we haven't seen you for a while. You know, what's happening? Well, we started going to another church. Oh, really? Why, why is that? Well, nobody invited us over for dinner. Nobody had us in their home. Nobody talked to us. And those of you who are bold, what's the follow-up question for that? Did you talk to anybody? Did you invite anybody to your home? How is the preaching of the Word? Were you edified by the preaching of the Word? Was the preaching of the Word consistent with what the Scriptures teach? No? Are you a consumer? 
You can be really bold and ask that. Uh, Caleb, Caleb Patton would do that. Right, right, Caleb? <laughs> That's not true. Caleb is much more tactful than that. I, I would do that. I'm just bull in a china shop. Well, the New Testament knows of no Christians floating around in just me and Jesus land. Believers belong to churches and marry disciples of Christ even more so. Even more so. Well, many bowling leagues require more of their members than some churches. While this is true, the church is a sad reflection of its culture. Ours is a consumer culture where everything is tailored to meet our needs and satisfy our preferences. Engaging, weaving into the tapestry of local fellowship and it, it is so important. And it's so important in creating a countercultural environment and statement. You know, It's great to become part of the fabric of a local fellowship, having a home church, knowing that you're going to be cared for, that you have a place where not only you're being cared for, but you have an opportunity to care for others and to grow outside of our self-insulated wall that we like to build around ourselves in our comfort. Full community engagement is one way to stop dating churches and start marrying one and sticking around for a rainy day. Another benefit that we get as being part of a community, as married disciples, is that of communication. Life is hectic. It takes effort to slow down and to have the deep conversations with each other. Here's the thing. Churches that are sound in the Word help facilitate deep conversations with those outside and those within our marriage, whether it's a message from one of the pastors, a study in a small group, wrestling with a difficult doctrine, and there's also spiritual unity that's developed within couples. And I commend this to you as couples that are listening to this message, as couples that are here, and I look around and I see couples that are doing this to God's glory and to your commendation. As couples sit under this gospel-centered theology and preaching and actively discuss it, they stay on the same page spiritually. You and I, when we wrestle with theology together with our spouses, when we help explain things to our children, this is a way of uniting in a spiritual bond. Someone told me that worshiping God together is a great, great way to keep both pairs of eyes looking in the same direction. Worshiping God together is a great way to keep both pairs of eyes looking in the same direction. And you and I may know people who the husband goes to one church, the wife goes to another, Methodist, Catholic, Episcopalian, whatever. That's, that's a difficulty. That's a difficulty. My heart goes out for those we've seen come to church when life is hard, and then when their needs are met, they fall away again. I know the Snyders were involved deeply with one family that exhibited that trait. They would come because they had a need, and then they would leave when that need was met, and then they'd pop up again. Yeah. It's difficult. But as was mentioned before, there's also support and accountability uh, with individuals that are part of a local fellowship, 
And in addition, there is the reality of bearing one another's burdens. Bearing one another's burdens. Support and accountability and giving you opportunities to make promises. Joining, engaging with, being a part of the fabric, part of the tapestry of a local fellowship as fully engaged couples. It's a promise to pray, give, serve, attend worship, accept the spiritual guidance of the fellowship, obey the teachings of the Word of God, and seek the things that make for unity, purity, and peace. We ought not to make those promises lightly. They are solemn vows. When we ask people those four or five questions that we ask them as they stand up, we mean it. And then we ask the congregation if they're going to accept these people and help blend them in. That's a solemn commitment before God. Well, all that is well and good. But we must be honest. What are the challenges of being a part of a treasured community? What are the challenges of being part of a treasured community? For individuals, for couples, or for families? We have to put up with Darren. Yes, yeah, someone said that our church is perfect if it weren't for the people. Sometimes people bring unrealistic expectations that the church or different people within the church are going to meet, be the ones to meet their needs. And those needs are, can be never-ending. Some people have a consumer mentality that the church, that Christ, that His people exist for them, and if they don't meet their needs or excite their entertainment passions, then they're gone. People themselves, there are needy people. There are difficult people. There are disagreements between people. Sometimes one of the challenges can be that we become Martha. And we're very busy. And instead of that being driven from a love for Christ and His people, it almost becomes a work of self-righteousness. And we can become judgmental. That's a challenge of being a part of a treasured community. We can neglect our family for church obligations. One of the biggest challenges that really summarize what we just talked about is the biblical truth of Proverbs 27:17, As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. It's a source of sparks and heat. It's part of the process. When we have community with other believers and we bump into each other, whatever's in the inside of the cup is going to spill out. And so if there's bitterness, anger, pride, arrogance, selfishness, it's going to spill out. And that's part of God's design. I need you to point out, hopefully gently and biblically, where I need to improve. 
And those bumps in the road, those bumps into each other, are part of God's design for sharpening each other. Mark Dever, in his book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, has that great quote that's on your paper there. Let's read this together. Let's read it out loud. Church membership is our opportunity to grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. By our identifying ourselves with a particular church, we let the pastors and other members of that local church know that we intend to be committed in attendance, giving, prayer, and service. We allow fellow believers to have great expectations of us in these areas, and we make it known that we are the responsibility of this local church. We assure the church of our commitment to Christ in serving with them, and we call for their commitment to serve and encourage as well. Now, that's who we are. That's part of how we treasure community within a treasured marriage. But again, also as individuals and as families. Well, one of the things we're doing here is we're going to ask Jeff and Kathy Snyder to come up, and we're going to continue the conversation of serving as individuals and also as a couple. So I'm going to use uh, the microphone that belongs to Mr. Beer, who is teaching our young people right now. Carrie, unfortunately, is not feeling well. So you guys are going to share this microphone, okay? You're good. You're you're not going to fight. You're not going to fight over it. Okay, good. Well, let me get. Let me untangle myself here. So, a few quick questions. Hello. Um, Hello. How did you two meet? We met at the post office. We both worked together. Okay. And uh, you've been a part of FBC for how long? We came here um, in the fall of 2006. So, 16 plus years. Wow, 16 plus years. We haven't kicked you out yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> There's been some close times. <laughs> Well, when did you both come to faith? You know, you talked about membership, but when did you become Christians? Um, mine was, I don't have an exact time I can, I can pinpoint, but it was sometime after April of 2000, <laughs> between the end of that year, God changed my heart by just reading his word. Somebody had said, you know, we should be reading God's word every day. Kathy ran out that day and got me a Bible, brought it to me. <laughs> I started reading it that day and... Just somewhere in there, God changed my heart and brought me to an understanding of my need for him. Okay. And for me, it was 1992. I can specify the date, but one of those kind of things. So. Okay, good. Always hold the microphone close so we can hear the wonderful <laughs> pearls of wisdom dropping from your ruby red lips. <laughs> okay. Um, so how have, you, how have you served Christ in various ways across the years, whether in the church or outside the church? Because I know you've been involved in a ministry outside the church as well. Yeah, we served at Potter's Wheel for, uh, we sort of go back and forth, I don't know, 13 years. It's a downtown ministry that we would do on Sunday afternoon, teaching kids, doing worship songs, snacks, those kind of fun things or whatever. So that was uh, very, very helpful to help us to see the needs for others and to put others' um, needs before our own. Um, being married to Kathy has been the most eye-opening thing for me to be able to see others needs clearly because she has an extra eye for seeing the needs of others beyond what I did. I was really good at taking care of my own needs but from being married to Kathy. She's the one that's very been very helpful in seeing other ways to serve and to put other people's interests first. And so that was um, 
Potter's Wheel was definitely one of those type of things. Um, in the church, we've served in VBS together with Crass. We've done um, Sunday school, uh, children's church, I mean. Um, is that t- together? Is that what you're asking right well, yeah, now? Yeah, but you've also served individually, right? Yeah, was, um, I've uh, taught Sunday school with uh, Ethan Browning. We went back and forth with the seventh and eighth graders, which was serving with him. was, was good. To, every time you serve with somebody, it's always, you, there's a connection that's always made there. So that was, that was really good. And I'll let you add some there to it. Well, we just look for opportunities to serve because we met that way. We worked together and we love to be together. And I love to serve individually, but it's just so much more um, rich to be able to serve with your husband and be able to talk about that when you get home and and whatever growth you're going through, sometimes you don't see it in yourself, but maybe he will, and uh, you know we just bounce it off each other. So there's been opportunity to clean. We cleaned the church for many years, um, not the whole thing, but the auditorium, and we got Zach involved in that too because he want we wanted him to be a part of it, uh, that serving process as well, and then um, just uh, cleaning up after weddings. Um, just whatever a need came up and we thought we could fit it into our schedule, it was rich and we loved it. So, Kathy also uh, serves as the church administrator, the church secretary, and she does a great job at that. It's extremely helpful. We're thankful for that. So individual contributions. So how has working together in those various areas, how has that benefited you as a couple, as you, you made one mention, but how is that also different than serving individually? Individually, um, while it has its own rewards of just getting some things done, there's always, there's always a blessing in serving together where, where, with my wife for sure, but also with other guys, you know, serving with David and, and, and um, Josh also, getting to know those guys has been really good. But it's just um, there's something more to it when you're sharing an opportunity that it gives you an, uh, other eyes on the on whatever wherever the areas you're serving that helps you to maybe see some things that you don't see it's like well maybe we need to do this and so well that's true i didn't even catch that so there's always some somebody that's always like seeing things from a different point of view so it's always good when you're serving together because it, it always just is more rich because you're also in fellowship with um, somebody you know, brother and sister here in faith bible most of the time and um uh, seeing things from a different point of view is it's very helpful how would you say you've been able to address issues that came up as a couple whereby as individuals you may have missed it? Jeff, you mentioned maybe missing something and not seeing something, but how has your ability to work together as a couple you know, within the body of Christ you know, especially equipped you and enabled you to address issues? That's a good question because issues have issues. So uh, it's not always that you're going to agree in how the ministry should be done. So especially in the potter's wheel, there were many days where I thought on our way home from there, we would never speak again. (laughs) Um, You you have the stress of the the day with the kids. Sometimes the kids were kids and... um, Sometimes you just disagreed with how the day went and you start to blame each other or blame the sun. I don't know. Not the sun, sun, but the, uh, <laughs> the round sun. But anyway, um, 
So there just was a lot of opportunity to grow because you have to learn how to respond to each other in that. Do you respond with the blaming that Adam started and Eve started? Or do you see it through God's eyes? Maybe this is what God had for us that day. And so you begin to grow in that. That took a long time, but there were lots of times when serving together, we could get out of our own head and uh, see things in the godly light of the Lord, of course, but then also in the wisdom that he has given uh, the person that you're serving with. So there's lots of growth in serving. There's lots of growth in doing it individually as well. Um, but there is such richness, again, when you serve with anybody else as uh, a group. So Great. Thank you. <clears throat> now, um, we have about four or five minutes left, and Jeff and Kathy uh, fully agreed that they would answer any question that you guys have. Uh, this no, was they, not they'd... on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, is there, is there a question that you'd like to ask the Snyders about either individual or serving together as a couple? Or if you'd like to thank them and praise them for you know, how God has used them in your life, they'd be fully embarrassed and did not expect this part at all. <laughs> okay, everybody's silent. So that's it. <laughs> I will add some of the blessings. So we were at a different church before we came here after being saved in that the, the people here that have blessed us has always been the elders and the, the teaching that we received from the, the, the pulpit here. It's this high view of God, the high view of his scripture was never pushed at the church we were at before. And just seeing that and then as you're reading that and God is growing you in that, just seeing that serving is a part of it. You know, the suffering, he is our suffering servant. Christ did these things for us. So... How can we not do these things for him? But just that, that high view of God and high, the high view of Scripture and the teaching has just been very, very much a blessing for us and to, to raise our son, um, have our son raised up underneath that teaching also. And I, will, I know Ethan would probably agree with me. Seventh and eighth graders at this church are different from seventh and eighth graders at the church we were before. You guys have been teaching them well. They get taught well in here, so they have good questions when they get to there. And it's sometimes it's a, I just have to get back with you. I'm not sure that's a great question, but it's just to see that teaching going on from a young age and just coming up through to you guys are doing well. <laughs>